Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And we're going to get deep on this one. We're going to get deep on this one. At least I think it's deep. I'm not sure if you're going to think it's deep. I think you're going to think it's deep. Even if you don't think it's deep, it will get deeper. And it will definitely be deep in the end. So the question is, how deep can you go? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. I think you can go pretty deep. But before we get to that, before we start getting that deep, how was your weekend? I hope you had a good one. I certainly did. You know, most of America was celebrating like crazy despite being told we couldn't do it. If you've seen some of the video of Las Vegas, the whole place, I mean, it looked like it was being attacked. There were so many fireworks just exploding. You know, there was helicopter news footage showing it exploding, exploding, exploding just fireworks everywhere, 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 everywhere. Just, and, you know, they're all illegal. <laughs> and it goes on for hours and hours. And Lauren and I, we stand out on our balcony and we have a fireworks show that lasts from... Oh gosh, like five in the afternoon until like two in the morning, and I'm, I'm talking big stuff everywhere. But last night was special. Uh, well, of course, I guess depending on where you are and how you're listening to this, the Fourth of July here Saturday night was special because there was a full moon with a lunar eclipse as the fireworks were climaxing right there about 9.30 p.m. Las Vegas time. I mean, it was one of those, you know, moments where, yeah, I cast a spell. I got to be honest with you. I mean, you know, that's what you have to do if you didn't realize that already. When there's some kind of an amazing alignment of things like that happening, where the cosmos are aligning up and just like the, the big picture and the little picture and all the energies coming together, that's a very good time to toss your frisbee out there, right? To to just pop that thought form, that thought bubble out of your head and go pew, and just shoot it off into the universe. Uh and make some make some shit happen. Alright, so yeah. I uh I always look for those opportunities, and you should do the same. But it was a great time. And, you know, I feel really good because since the last podcast in which I I, I told everybody, look, we have these dark forces that are intentionally trying to to take over the world, and here is how we're going to fight back. Since then, I have gotten so many emails from people all over the world who listen to that podcast and they are basically saying the same thing. They're saying, just listening to that podcast started making me feel incredibly better. And then when I did what you said we should do, it was like this gigantic load just floated off of my shoulders. Just, you know. And people are saying, I can feel that we're making a difference. And I'm saying, yeah, that's what happens that feeling you're getting that, you know, like this this was better than it was five days ago. That's what happens when you kick evil in the teeth. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be 
as easy as one session, but no, keep focused on it. I've got my little setup here. I'm not going to tell you about it. That's private. That's for me. You should keep your setup private for you. But every time I see it, I look at it and I give it energy. Okay, I project energy into destroying that darkness every time I see it. Boom, boom, boom. I'm just, it's like I'm shooting lasers at it with my eyes. I'm spitting my venom on the thing that I want to kill every single time I look at it. Destroying that. And that's what we have to keep doing. Now that you have Legion represented there in some form. We're going to get back to that in a minute. But I hope that you're feeling better. And I hope that if you listen to that podcast and it made sense to you, that you took some kind of action in your own little way, in your own little corner of your bedroom or your closet or whatever's a sacred place for you. Maybe you have a workshop outside. Wherever you go to have a little privacy where you can gather your thoughts, take a deep breath, chill out, that is where you should go to set up your representation of this darkness that we are trying to just annihilate. Okay, say... We know that someday you're going to try again, but today you're out of here. All right. So I think in many ways, this podcast is going to reinforce some of the things that I was talking about in the last podcast about the nature of reality and the power of the mind and you know throughout the years um i guess what you can reduce what i do down to is i study the relationship between matter and energy i'm always looking at that mind body environment relationship the process by which these things you know energy of any kind is transduced and transformed and I have often said over the years that there was a time when physicists said that quantum phenomena, the tiniest things that we can possibly observe or even pretend to observe, they only do these wacky sort of paranormal, fanciful, self-contradictory, oxymoronic, paradoxical things on this tiny scale. But that doesn't apply to this level where you and I are walking around in our giant world um, that 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 was a that was a mistaken model okay that basically if it can happen on that tiny scale it can happen on a bigger scale and I've said over the years in so many ways that this weirdness that you see this quantum spookiness it actually can happen on the scale that you and I are experiencing in our day-to-day lives when we get in our car and drive to McDonald's or whatever. Uh, And that if we accept that, there are eerie parallels between what people experience that seem to be paranormal, magical, whatever you want to call it, spiritual, and what we are observing on the quantum scale. And it turns out that scientists have been saying now for decades going back to the 1990s that they actually have indeed been able to reproduce some of these quantum effects on a larger scale and it's it's gotten 
gradually larger and larger. At first it was like, well, now we can do this with something that's the size of a hair, you know. Well, I've got some breaking news for you guys. And, you know, it, it, to give you an example, though, of how I've talked about this subject matter, if you go to my book, Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction, there is a part on, let's see, page 167. It's called The Quantum World is Your World, in which I give examples of how scientists have indeed been able to create um, these quote-unquote quantum effects in the macroscopic world on the larger scale. And, and again, this has implications for magic, uh, ESP, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, the very nature of what it is to exist. And now we have this news story. I'm going to sit down here and uh, read this to you. It's fairly clearly written, and I was certainly excited to read this. This is from the Independent in the UK, independent.co.uk. Headline is Spooky Quantum Movements Seen Happening to Large Objects, Scientists Say. And the subheading, listen to this. What's so special about this experiment is we've seen quantum effects on something as large as a human. Now that should be a duh, but believe it or not, <laughs> scientists are slow to catch up on some of these things that metaphysicians have known for thousands of years. But here's the story. Scientists have seen spooky quantum behavior happening to objects at a human scale, according to a new paper. Researchers have seen quantum fluctuations, quote, kick large objects, such as mirrors, Hmm, interesting, isn't it, that uh, I'm always talking about mirrors and ghostly stuff? Back to the story. Mirrors, moving them by a tiny degree, but one big enough to measure. Such behavior has previously been predicted by quantum physicists, but it has never before been measured. The movements are the result of the way the universe is structured when seen at the level of quantum mechanics. Researchers describe it as a, quote, noisy space, where particles are constantly switching in and out of existence, which creates a low-level fuzz at all times. Normally, the background of quantum noise is too subtle to detect in objects that are visible at the human scale. But the new research shows that scientists have finally detected those movements using new technology to watch for those fluctuations. And by the way, we are now going to move into MIT territory, so this is not some bullshit article. Researchers at the MIT LIGO laboratory saw that the fluctuations could move an object as big as a 40 kilogram mirror. Let me pause. Uh, for those of you who need some clarification, that's 88 pounds. We're talking about an 88-pound mirror. 
goes uh, goes on to say the movement pushed the large mirrors a tiny amount as predicted theoretically allowing it to be measured by scientists the researchers were able to use special equipment called a quantum squeezer that allowed them to quote manipulate the noise so that it could be better observed here is a quote from a scientist what's special about this experiment is we've seen quantum effects on something as large as a human said Nurgis Mavalava or let's see Mavalvala the uh, marble professor and associate head of the physics department at MIT in a statement says quote we too now listen to this quote folks all right listen quote we too every nanosecond of our existence are being kicked around buffeted by these quantum fluctuations it's just that the jitter of our existence our thermal energy is too large for these quantum vacuum fluctuations to affect our motion measurably with LIGO's mirrors we've done all this work to isolate them from thermally driven motion and other forces so that they are now still enough to be kicked around by quantum fluctuations and this spooky popcorn of the universe end quote wow okay now if your jaw is not on the floor right now you may not have grasped what has just happened here in physics where they a physicist at MIT has formally declared that quantum effects are affecting humans now again we've known this for a long time and I bet if you're psychic or sensitive or something like that you know you, there are many different ways that people define themselves you're you're going like duh you know this I can feel this shit like whatever this is that's between me and the universe and other people I can feel it I can sense it um, and look not everybody who says I'm a psychic is legitimate I realize that but some people are I also realize that and I also think that all of us at least are able to sense things that go beyond just what we consider the five primary traditional senses so the implications of this are are big not because it's necessarily surprising to those of us who study these things all the time but it's surprising that finally mainstream scientists have have caught up to the point where they're starting to speak intelligently about the mind body environment relationship and not just looking at everything from a Newtonian perspective where it's all just brute force billiard balls crackling off each other on, on, on a table you know that there is this other whole mysterious wacky realm called quantum uh, and, and, and in this quantum model you have particles popping in and out of existence etc and now it is measurably making an effect on something as big as a human and again I have said 
since I started studying research when I was a teenager, mirrors, mirrors, mirrors. Um, I'm not sure exactly why they're, they're, they're using mirrors for this, but it wouldn't surprise me because I found out very early on that it, nine times out of ten, if you go into a haunted house and they say, that's the haunted room, you walk in and I notice that there are two reflective surfaces that are facing each other, creating some kind of a an infinite reflection, which is where the devil's toy box comes from and things like that. So, let's just start with that news story. Okay. Now, that's kind of deep. But we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper. I, I like that one for, for so many reasons. It's exciting on many levels, and that is one that I will rely upon when trying to at least discuss the options, the possibilities, when it comes to explaining people's spiritual experiences, uh, ghosts, UFOs, aliens. Like I say, you go down the laundry list. I mean, if we are being that affected by the quantum world of madness well how far and how deep and how you know how expansive is this all right so now let's take that as reinforcement of what i was talking about in the last podcast about how that you have this sense of well this is one reality that i can reach out and touch i can reach out and touch the physical wall i can touch the chair i can touch the lamp and yes you're right i'm touching these things i can touch my printer I can, you know. but then you have this other reality going on inside your head and the question becomes is the reality in your head any less real than the one that's out there or is it just as real but real in a different way and if so what is this process like of taking elements of one reality and transitioning them to another so we know how easy it is to take what's out there the solid material world and transfer it into what's in here, the mental, spiritual world. What we tend to have a problem with is doing the inverse, which is taking that mental world and putting it out there into the physical, material world. That's where the problem seems to lie for people. And I think it all goes back to animal instincts. That, you know, animals... Uh, and uh, yes, we all love our our friendly dogs and cats, but they 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 their brains don't work on a level that allows them to realize the difference between the inner and outer world on a conscious, self-aware level, like an observer level. That's probably where the alien DNA kicks in for us humans. That's why we made that leap. And they say, your closest relative is this chimp over here. Don't you see the resemblance? Okay. Now, let's think about how we take that inner world that's inside of us and do a better job of expanding it into that outer material world. And let's go back to this concept of magic. And there are many different ways that you can look at 
what is magic and and you can define it in many different ways uh it's you know it's really the idea uh of of condensing your thoughts your will into an effect in the physical world you know that's i mean there there are many different ways of looking at it alan moore speaking of him i believe he said look it's pulling a rabbit out of a hat it's making something out of nothing it's making a universe out of a you know a, a big bang or whatever where did that come from it's it's a, it's making a chair out of a thought it's, it's something out of nothing and i think the very first step that people took toward being able to do that was was writing because writing is the skill of being able to take what is ultimately a feeling and then turn it into a thought that you can express distinctly enough so that you can put it on a piece of paper or carve it into a stone or you know scratch it in the dirt or whatever and another person can see that symbol and say I now get that thought and that feeling also I know what you mean it's really an incredibly powerful and magical thing and you may or may not have heard of the word grimoire for a lot of you you'll be like duh I know what a grimoire is and some people be like nope never heard of that a grimoire is sort of the ancient European word for a magical textbook and even though we apply that word to uh, the European standard I mean there magical textbook books exist from all around the world as a side note apparently a um, a book of shadows is a different thing a book of shadows is something that's more specific you know within a particular group of beliefs within wicca and stuff like that but a grimoire is simply a textbook of spells more or less spells and rituals and a way of magical thinking and do you know that the word grimoire comes from the word grammar okay you look it up grimoire comes from grammar it's all about being able to use language and being able to write language but language doesn't just have to be a b c d e f g language can also be expressed with pictures like the ancient Egyptians did so when I say writing now I'm expanding upon that and saying it's more about the ability to manifest a symbol and then once you have a symbol there well now how much power can you give that symbol you know in the last podcast I was saying draw a circle this is your bubble write this stuff inside the circle and it's funny because I told Lauren uh, well she listened to the podcast and 
and and she and I were, were were talking about this, but I you know I talked to her to some extent about this process before, and Lauren said, you know it would be cool to have something like a crystal ball that you could actually put your desires or your thoughts or what in whatever into and and turn it into that three dimensional ball that you were talking about. And you see, it's the same thing because symbols are supposed to represent thoughts that can be imagined three-dimensionally if they need to be, which that's easy for us humans to grasp. And so when we're talking about the idea of expressing ourselves, it doesn't just have to be through an A or a B or a C or a D or a hieroglyph. It can also be sitting down and creating something that's three-dimensional. And I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, and it's funny because, uh, you know, since we're talking about Alan Moore, I uh, he, he actually, <laughs> he is famous, or some would say infamous, for worshiping a snake god, yeah, you heard me right. A snake god called Glycon. G-L-Y-C-O-N. If you've never heard of Glycon, you can look up Glycon on your own. Here's what uh, Wikipedia says. Glycon was an ancient snake god having a large and influential cult within the Roman Empire in the 2nd century. Glycon had been mentioned earlier by Horus. Uh, so anyway... Glycon is a weird looking, it's not just a normal snake, it's a snake with like a, a, a bit of a snout and long hair and ears. <laughs> and uh, Alan Moore said it kind of was like the combo of a snake and Paris Hilton. <laughs> but anyway, he supposedly worships Glycon the snake god. Now, I think that's with a bit of a tongue in the cheek. But it's just as legitimate, honestly, as anybody else uh, saying that they worship something that, you know, doesn't make sense to other people. So he said that when he decided he was going to start worshiping Glycon, that he figured the first thing that he should do was, was this. Now, before I tell you what this is, before I tell you what this is, I was raised up in the mountains of Western North Carolina, Billy Graham land, literally, like Billy Graham lived right down the road. There was a church on every corner. And I grew up with a lot of people who took the Bible literally, literally. And that never made sense to me at all. I knew that everybody meant well, but I just... I knew enough about the publishing business, okay, even as a kid, I knew enough about the publishing business to know that I can't write something and get it reprinted without there being some variation from printing to printing. That's how a book expert comes in and is able to tell the difference between different printings sometimes. Like there's, there, whether intentional or unintentional, there's always some kind of a variation. And so I said, there's no way, there's no way, my friends, 
no matter how, what, what faith you have or whatever. There's no way you can take the idea of these original texts that were inspired by God uh, from all these different groups and people that have been put together and retranslated and then edited by different groups and, and uh, I mean for thousands of years and, and you think this is the literal word of God, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Okay. And people would get pissed at me. I have this friend who contacted me one day and I thought he was a pretty good guy. Just wasn't that bright, I guess. He said, you know, Josh, you told me the other day that you don't take the Bible ever, literally. And he goes, I take every word of that book was the word of God. And that really, you know, that really kind of offended me. So I don't, I don't know if we should be friends anymore. I was like, oh, well, okay, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. I mean, I mean, I wasn't being an asshole or anything. And, I, and he wasn't really being an asshole either. I just thought, it is what it is, right? Say lovey. So I do not take the Bible literally, and nor should you. And if anybody you know does that, then, well, I guess if it works for them, it works for them. I just don't. But uh, I do value the Bible. And I value a lot of other ancient texts as well. And I'm not going to go down the whole list, but I can tell you that, uh, well, at the Asheville Masonic Temple, for example, in the lodge room, there is a centerpiece which has an area where you can put books that are meaningful to you book of law as some would call it and you have in there all kinds of books yes there's a, a King James Bible there's a Jefferson Bible which is an edited form of the Bible you have the Mabiagi or uh, which is uh, well I don't, I'm not going to tell you what everything is there's a, the teachings of Buddha and there's uh, there, there's just like all this stuff is in there and uh, so I value all efforts that were made by ancient people to record something that have actually made it through to this day and so i'm even though it it all may not be 100 percent true there's value there and you see a lot of similarities between these ancient manuscripts so i tell you that because i'm going to refer here to the ten commandments the ten commandments which according to the book of Exodus, uh, were given to Moses by God. Now let's take a look at the Ten Commandments, and I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. All right. So I'm, I would say, like, I'm not going to read these in any particular order, but if I were going to order them, I think that probably... The number one commandment of the ten would probably be, "Thou shalt not covet." That that make I mean like that makes sense to me because if you covet, that means basically uh, you're jealous, and you want what somebody else has. And 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 the implication there, I believe, is that instead of just you saying, well, hey, I'm going to be a, 
a good little all shucks, you know, newspaper boy and get up there and work my way up to the top and do this for myself. You're like, you know, know what? Hey, screw that. I just want that guy's shit, you know? So I think that's the suggestion there. So, because if you covet another person, meaning you are jealous and uh, you somehow look down on this person or you demonize this person or you say this person doesn't deserve suddenly that's when you know the devil takes hold and you start getting these other ideas like uh, maybe I should kill that guy well now we have another commandment here thou shall not kill right so anyway thou shall not covet is a pretty obvious one because that will lead you down the path to uh, well, destruction and self-destruction. So that makes sense. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not kill is, uh, I think it's a little vague because I think what they meant by that was thou shalt not kill other people <laughs> because they sure killed a lot of animals. But all right, again, you have to read into this stuff, I suppose. But here's the thing. Thou shalt not covet is a very practical thing to teach somebody because of what I just said if you start wanting somebody else's shit then chances are if you become obsessed on that or whatever and you let that grow uh, something bad is going to happen that's a tangible thing so this is practical advice thou shalt not kill this is practical advice if you murder somebody Okay, you can't unmurder them. You can't bring them back from the dead and say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I was pissed or I drank too much or whatever. No, this has got a final consequence and now you have a chain reaction of other horrible consequences. I don't need to tell you, right? So again, very practical. Uh, how about thou shalt not commit adultery? How practical is that? If you go out there and you do that, there are going to be real world consequences and it's going to complicate everything for everybody involved. Thou shalt not steal. Again, super practical. Yeah, you go and you take somebody else's shit. How do you think they're gonna feel about it? You know, not I mean they're gonna they're if they find out about it, they're gonna retaliate, but even if they don't find out about it, I mean what a terrible thing to do. Go and just take somebody else's stuff. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Okay, that means don't lie. That's, again, very practical shit, right? All this is very practical because if you lie, well, now you can create all kinds of um, disarray and hysteria or uh, confusion. And it just, all this stuff slows down the, the functionality and it blocks the harmony of a society trying to live together if you're just a liar right so so far we've covered thou shalt not covet thou shalt not kill not commit adultery not steal not lie basically it says remember the sabbath day to keep it holy that also is a very practical thing in other words everybody needs a day off okay so don't just stay wrapped up every single day in all your problems at least have one day where everybody gets a break 
is what that really means. And, and you reflect on what's really important and really meaningful. That's what that means. Very practical. Now we go to these two, which are, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, obviously, any god who's worth his salt is going to say that. You know, if he's the one giving you the commandments, you know, you got to slip that one in. Oh, by the way, you know, uh, why should you listen to these? Well, because uh, I'm the guy telling you, so don't listen to anybody else. So that makes sense. And then he says, um, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, that also uh, is kind of the same thing. Like, and don't cuss me out, by the way. <laughs> All this is making sense to me. All this is making sense. Practical stuff, tangible outcomes, tangible consequences. And then we have this one. Thou shalt not make unto the any graven image any graven image now a graven image is defined as a carved idol or a representation of a god used as an object of worship so you could look at this and you could say well maybe god was just being redundant here He's already said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So is he just being redundant and saying, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image because he's that sensitive? Is he wasting two of these valuable spaces of the ten on his ego? Because the job got done right up front there without shalt have no other gods before me don't cuss me out well that you know you could almost say that's almost redundant but it, you know I get it but all this other stuff is very practical and here we have thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image now why among all of these very practical things would that be included in the Ten Commandments if it did not also have a practical, tangible consequence? Do you see what I'm saying? Is it starting to make sense? Do you see where I've been going with this? If a graven image had no power, then who gives a shit? Okay, why would it be one of the Ten Commandments when you're just trying to keep a group of people civilized here? Well, maybe, maybe that is one of the commandments because when you make a graven image, it actually does have power. It does have power. And it starts, I mean, you can make it two-dimensionally, writing, drawing creating symbols or you can expand on that and make it 3d a carving and you know now it's like hell uh, i've been sent stuff i won't get into the specifics yet until i have permission but i've had people who have been taking images 
that I've put out there on the internet and they pop them into a 3D printer and next thing you know, this thing is a graven image. <laughs> and do you think that the reason that was put in there was because graven images are that powerful? That if you have a graven image, it actually can allow you to tap into something in your brain that maybe you're not responsible enough to handle. Like, whew, you don't know what you're doing when you start messing around here. You're out of your league on this one because this is actually going to fucking work. Now, I'm not telling people to go break the Ten Commandments. But what I am saying is I have a feeling that if creating a graven image did not help something to manifest, well, it wouldn't have been against the, it wouldn't have been one of the laws there put forth in the Ten Commandments that you don't do this. Does that make sense? So I'm telling you this because as we go on our magical journey and we're trying to work together to fight this thing, this darkness that's upon us, then, um, hey, maybe you should consider what we're doing. Magic, all writing, you know, the blueprints, the blueprints for a graven image. A graven image is the world ultimately that we want to have. The world that we want to have. That's one of the questions that I and a lot of other people have asked who deal with these issues of what is your purpose in life you know I wrote about this in finding your magic one of the questions is if the world were a perfect world what would that look like to you you know what would your perfect world look like because you really shouldn't put anything into the world that does not somehow contribute to what a perfect world would look like for you to be honest I mean we have fun with that and we love playing with fire and doing scary things and and all that but uh, ultimately you got to be careful you got to be careful with all that and so we're not at the deepest point yet now we're going to take this deeper we know there is a quantum field here where anything can happen it's affecting humans it's a part of who you are we know that you can take this and you can express it through through symbols or through sculptures and you can tap into your inner world and express it and morph it and manifest it into the outer world and we know that this is dangerous enough that even one of the Ten Commandments warns against doing it. And this brings us to the next level of what is called ontology. You know what ontology is? If not, you may have fun with this. You've probably heard me say before that my favorite course in college was philosophy. 
Well, ontology is a no-bullshit area of philosophy. And I'm just going to read to you the definition here. Ontology, and this is spelled O-N, like the word on. Ontology is the philosophical study of being. More broadly, it studies concepts that directly relate to being, such as becoming or existence or reality. Goes on to say, traditionally listed as a part of the major branch branch of philosophy known as metaphysics, ontology often deals with questions concerning what entities exist or may be said to exist and how such entities may be grouped, related within a hierarchy and subdivided according to similarities and differences. The word ontology comes from the ancient Greek words onto, which means being or that which is, and logia, which means logical discourse. Listen to this. Some philosophers, notably in the traditions of the Platonic school, contend that all nouns, including abstract nouns, refer to existent entities. Other philosophers contend that nouns do not always name entities, but that some provide a kind of shorthand for reference to a collection of of objects or events. So, okay, here's what I'm talking about. Some philosophers say all nouns refer to existent entities. So if I say, oh, Jack Nicholson, a noun is a person, place, or thing. If I say Jack Nicholson, you say, yeah, what about him? You have no, no, I mean, you probably never met Jack Nicholson. Uh, if you had, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to email me. I presume he exists because I've seen movies and he's in them, and I think that he probably is a guy who's been acting. About, but so you say, uh, Jack Nicholson, yeah, yeah. But if I say Krampus, you're like, <laughs> yeah, what about Krampus? You know, because there's a part of your mind like, well, Krampus is just bullshit. Like, Krampus is just like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny or whatever. Well, one of these ontologist philosophers would say, no, no, there's no difference. There's no difference between discussing Santa Claus and Jack Nicholson as a noun. That they are very different. Like, Santa Claus doesn't exist in the same way that Jack Nicholson exists, and vice versa. But they both do still exist. You know, they exist in somewhere because we're talking about them. And when I say Santa Claus, you know who I'm talking about. And if I say Jack Nicholson, you know who I'm talking about. So they both exist, just in different ways. Now, if this sounds absurd to you, fine. But just think about the fact that all throughout history, 
major events have happened because people have talked about their gods. Lauren and I, the other day, we, we took a break. We watched uh, Clash of the Titans, the original one. Great movie. Great movie. You know, there's, there's a charm and a soul to those movies that were made in the 80s that you just don't see in today's films with all their CGI and everything. And it was funny because I was saying to Lauren, would you, would you like to go to Mount Olympus there in Greece where they believed all the gods lived? She says, yeah, sure. Someday. <laughs> no time soon. And, uh, but you know, most Greeks lived their whole lives, never went up to Mount Olympus. They looked up, they saw the clouds. Mount Olympus was about 9,500 feet tall. They believe the gods lived up there. Now I bet you every single day a thousand tourists go to the top of Mount Olympus and come back down. I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but that'd be my guess. And so we know there are no gods living on Mount Olympus. And yet, that doesn't matter because still, if I tell you about Zeus living on Mount Olympus, you're like, oh yeah, Zeus does live on Mount Olympus, but not in that way, in this way. All right, let's move along, shall we? Some of you are thinking like, okay, Josh is, maybe he's just lost it. He's fine. Maybe I have. But if, if I have, all I can tell you is I'm looking back on what philosophers were discussing thousands of years ago in ancient Greece. So here are some principal questions of ontology. So I want you to ask yourself each of these questions. And uh, good luck if you come up with an answer quickly, because I'm not going to spend that much time. I'm just going to go down the list. There are a lot of them. Principal questions would be, what can be said to exist? Next question, what is a thing? Next question, into what categories, if anything, can we sort? existing things. Next question, what are the meanings of being? And next is, what are the various modes of being of entities? In other words, you know, is there a hierarchy of different types of beings? So now, here's, here's, here are more examples of questions, okay? Now again, don't even really. If you want to try to answer any of these right now and you come up with a solution, then good for you. But I'm just going to go down this list. What is existence? What does it mean for a being to be? Next, is existence a property? Now that's actually really interesting, isn't it? Because that almost gets into like scientific language. Is museum a property? Next we have, is existence a genus or general class that is simply divided up by specific differences? Next is, which entities, if any, are fundamental? Next is, are all entities objects? Now, let's pause on that one. Are all entities objects? That's more like we're talking about, isn't it? You know, does an entity have to be an object? 
Well, you know what? We have this sense that all objects don't have to be entities. Or do they? But let's let's just go with the traditional side and say, well, no, an object like, you know, the, this pair of scissors here I got in my hand, it doesn't have to be an entity. We wouldn't normally think of that as an entity. I mean, you got to open your mind quite a bit. But does an entity have to be an object? I kind of think it doesn't. That, I think that's my position on that one. I can give you, how about that? I gave you an ontological position on something. You think about that. Do you think an entity has to be an object? They go on to say, uh, do physical properties actually exist? That's another good one, because if so, where do we define that boundary, right? What is a physical object? What constitutes the identity of an object? Now, I could read more. I could read more. But I think you've gotten the point here. And the reason I bring this up is because if you're the type of person who's interested in this, go look up ontology, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y. But I would have to say that I believe, ontologically speaking, that there is an immaterial world like Alan Moore was saying and there is a material world and that we are usually inclined to feel submissive and victimized and we are we we and passive and we take the material information and we allow it to shape the immaterial consciousness while neglecting by and large the power that we have to reverse the process to flip it back around and say hey this immaterial world of consciousness is just as powerful if not more powerful and I can now project it out in order to change and alter the material world into the form I want it to take and we call that process a magical manifestation process Do we get deep enough for you there? Was that deep enough? This is not bullshit. Okay? I can tell you, you know, like, I'm a results-oriented person, and at least I can tell you it's not bullshit because I'm a results-oriented guy. Here endeth the lesson. But, but, I do want to read some emails to you. We're going to change change course a little bit, but not really, because I think these emails kind of maybe reinforce some of the things that I've been talking about. I love reading emails once in a while, and I think you like hearing them, hearing what other people who are listening out there have to say. And uh, here's one I got that I'm especially happy with from Gabby, who is a listener in California. And she bought one of the true golden ratio pendants. And most people who bought one have received it by now, unless you're in another country. Who knows how that's going? Um, I had one lady today in, I think she was in Illinois, and she said, when's my pendant going to get here? And I looked up tracking, and it was delivered 
three days ago. And she said, well, uh, I didn't get it. And I said, well, is this your address? She says, yeah. I go, well, I sent it. If you didn't get it, then uh, you need to take that tracking information to your post office and file a report. So, I mean, I don't know what's up with the postal system these days, but, you know, if I send you something and I track it and it says you got it delivered, I mean, that's that's all I can do for you. I feel sorry for you, but you have to take it and just wanted to point that out because it happened today just in case that you know um you think you should have gotten yours by now if you live in the united states you should probably have gotten yours by now if not email me and we'll see if we can track it for you because yeah the postal system's getting wacky but anyway listen to this amazing email i received from gabby in california who was one of the first people to order and so she got her pendant a little earlier than everybody else's. Here's what she said. Hello, Joshua. I hope this email finds you well. I was one of the lucky subscribers of your world to learn about the true golden ratio necklace you were offering. I've purchased other goodies from you in the past, and I was very excited to experiment with this one. Upon receiving my necklace, I chose the gold chain to wear around my neck. About three hours later, my throat started doing the most forceful micro vibrations. At first, I thought I was developing a sore throat, but when I really stopped to focus on what I was feeling, I could feel these intense micro vibrations in my throat. I could feel my aura expanding as well as slight lightheadedness. If it got too intense, I was going to take it off, but I decided to tough it through to see if my body would accept it and acclimate. After about three hours, everything calmed down, and I haven't felt it since. Did you experience anything like this? Well, let me pause here and answer her question. Yes, I have had that experience on a number of occasions, uh, where, but for me, it was more around the my solar plexus I'm very sensitive in that area I guess and I'm, I'm telling you for me I just had it again last night it almost felt like that my I thought my phone was on buzzer mode uh, uh, you know when you put it on uh, whatever whatever you call it and, and, and it and it buzzes in your pocket you know I thought that uh, that that was happening but no it was just right around where the pendant was I didn't even have the phone on me. I had, as a matter of fact, I had it laying on the table next to me. So, well, let me get back to her email. Since I've been wearing the necklace, I have had many opportunities open up for me effortlessly. I think this may be in conjunction with the wishing machine that I have set. But since I've been wearing the pendant, it has amplified it immensely and things have been manifesting rapidly for me. My partner and I started a small business and against all the odds stacked, things have been falling into place for us to launch and make really good money the quickest and easiest i've ever experienced in my life now i'm I, she gave me a lot of details here which i'm not going to get into because i don't want to publicize all of her business here but here's what she ends up saying ultimately after she tells me all the stuff that happened she goes yes amazing things have been happening to me and doors unimaginable have been opening and quickly at that um, it says, as just as quickly as an obstacle has presented itself, some other divine force comes and like a pro golfer smacks that obstacle way far out of the way 
to ensure my path stays clear. I feel really blessed and I'm super happy and I'm excited to see what lies ahead. I'm sure more greatness is to come. I'm a believer and I'm beyond satisfied. Thank you, Josh. Have a blessed day. And again, that is from Gabby in California. Gabby, thank you for such a beautiful, thoughtful, detailed email. And I really wish I could share all the details with everybody. And Gabby would probably let me do that, but I'd rather keep some of her <laughs> business more more personal. And, and, you know, and I hate to read this for those of you who can't get it anymore. You know, I have people who, who contact me and say, are you sure you don't just have one more left that you can spare for little old me? And I say, I explained this in the beginning. You know, I opened up an account to have these manufactured and I closed the account and I had a certain number and they're gone. So will I ever do this again someday? It's possible. It's possible. But when I tell you that I have a, a product that's available for a limited time, don't think that I'm bullshitting you. I mean, there have been some occasions where I've, I've said this is here for a limited time and then I've been able to come back at some point and make it available for, for more. But um, that's even, even then, like, this is all very specialized, strange stuff that I'm, you know, either creating or having created here. And so let this be a lesson to you. If you wanted one and you didn't get one, I'm not bullshitting you when I tell you you have until this date to put your order in. So we still have plenty of great things, however, that soon will be gone if you go to joshuapwarren.com and you look at the curiosity shop. Trust me, some of those things are going to disappear soon. We don't even have Shelley Wright's money potion anymore. That's sold out. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that's sold out. Um... So, again, thank you, Gabby. You know what? Here's another email that I want to share with you. And this comes from Linda in Oregon. Now, this is a really uh, interesting email. And it just is, is a great example of why I love doing this podcast. So, to give you a, a little refresher here, I told you that, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe it was last year. I think it was last year that I had this dream um, about the number 91 that was strong enough uh, that I woke up and I wrote it down in the middle of the night, which is something that I almost never do. And and it was not just the number 91, but also France. It had something to do with France or something French. And I didn't know what it meant. And so the next day I, I woke up and I looked at it and I started thinking, well, there's this casino here in Las Vegas called the... I think it's called the Paris. And um, at that time, I'd never been there. So I said to Lauren, let's go to the Paris today. I had this dream about the number 91. And she goes, okay. So anyway, I went over there and I looked for the number 91 all over the place. And I never found it. And uh, so I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. I mean, I just got there and it took me like 10 minutes to walk around and look at everything and not see a 91 anywhere. So right as I was about to leave the casino floor without having bet a penny on anything, um, I, I was at a roulette table on the way out, and I said, well, there's no 91 on a roulette table, but there is a 19. So knowing the significance of my dream, I took a $100 bill out, 
and I put it on number 19. And the people playing at the table looked at me like, oh, this guy's kind of nuts, you know. And they, they, so anyway, the guy spun the wheel because there's 38 spaces. And guess what? It hit number 19, and the guy gave me $3,500 cash. It was actually chips, but, you know, chips are cash. And so the guy gives me $3,500, and I waltz right out the door. So I told this story on, on the show, and I got this email from Linda in Oregon, and her subject line is, Start Playing Cards! Exclamation point. And she says, Hope you and your wife had a happy and peaceful Independence Day. Pertaining to your dream about France, she says, I came across the fact that the number of dots on a deck of cards adds up to 91. Perhaps that's an omen about you playing more blackjack, baccarat, and poker. Just a thought. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what? I'm, I'm going to take that as indeed an auspicious omen that maybe I do need to go do something with some cards. Some of these folks here in, in Vegas win millions of dollars on these card tournaments and stuff like that and i've never been like you know a card shark but maybe i need to start studying it a little bit more so thank you for that insight linda and um, you know what i'm gonna start doing some I, I i did this before i'm gonna now that the casinos and everything are open again i'm gonna start doing more experiments where i take surveys with those of you who listen to this show and then go and take that into the casino and do an experiment. Where, where like, for example, before I said, okay, is it gonna be red or black on the wheel? And then I went and spun the wheel and most of the time it came up the way the survey said it would come up. And I said, if we get to a certain point, then I'm going to share the money from this gigantic jackpot with everybody who participated. And I'm dead serious. And I got really, really close to the sharing of money stage. Um, I mean, I think I took a $100 bill and turned it into 200 and a 200 and turned it into 400 And I think I turned a, a 400 into an 800 And then I think after that, uh, it lost or something like that. But I mean, it, it was pretty darn good. It was pretty darn good. So we are going to be doing some more survey experiments soon where you're going to be able to give your input collectively i have some creative ideas on how we can do this that i will be taking to casinos and then um ultimately if we figure out something that works i'm going to be sharing the winnings with you yes all of you who make it to the 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 winning psychic round and all you really have to be is lucky as hell as long as, as long as we all get lucky together we're fine we don't have to be psychic we just have to be lucky all right but this is one of the things about having this podcast i have the best listeners in the world and i i believe that i know it i'm sure a lot of radio hosts and podcast hosts say that but i really mean it i'm not saying that all of you are completely sane or rational that's okay most of you are however you know <laughs> You're good people, all right? You're good people. And, you know, I I could have 
I have a lot of people listen to this podcast all over the world. I can tell that easily. I get to see the stats. Plus, if I tell all of you, hey, go check out this webpage, I see all the hits that come in. But there are podcasters out there that have a bigger audience because they hook up with one of these platforms. And I won't name any names here, but they have more people listening but the people that listen are less quality. In, in other words, they are not thoughtful and interactive people. And I would take my audience uh, of any day and compare it to an audience that is 10 times bigger and say, I have the better audience. And I can trust you guys because I've seen it in my experiments that I've done. I've seen it with the feedback to the products that I put out. And I don't usually ask for gifts, but sometimes I get some of the most incredible gifts. I got a gift just out of the blue from a listener. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post a picture of this one for you. I, I wrote him back. I said, I felt like a kid on Christmas morning when I opened this one up. This was something that he made for me. I didn't ask him to do it. I didn't even know it was coming. He said he was going to send me one thing, and then this shows up, and I'm like, whoa. It's Well, I'll just tell you what it is. It's a symbolic Hieronymus machine uh, with actual conductive material. All right. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's another a whole other thing for a whole other day. But... Yeah, I'll post this. He said I could post a picture. He doesn't want me to identify who he is, and I don't blame him. Um, but uh, I will post a picture of this on my uh, Twitter so you can see what this machine looks like that this guy sent me as just a gift out of the blue. I mean, really, really, I have the best listeners. And thank you so much. That's why I have no problem turning around and handing out money and doing stuff like that from time to time. And I try my best to help you guys out as well. We're all a big community here. We're a big family. We're all Jedis. We're metaphysicians. We're trying to make sense out of this madness that we're going through together. And uh, I hope that if you know somebody else out there who needs to hear the kind of stuff that you here on this podcast, the kind of stuff that we're experimenting with, I hope that you will do everything you can to forward this to them and uh, and just say, look, just start listening to it. If you don't like it, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But give them an opportunity. Share this thing, tweet it, keep spreading it all over the place. Now, you know, this is going to be my last podcast uh, this week because I am finally about to go out into the desert to a place that is famous for being dangerous. Now, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be, but I will not have any cell phone service or Wi-Fi, I don't think, for most of this duration. Um, And I'm not sure exactly how long I'll be out there, so you're not going to be able to communicate with me don't worry, I have emergency, some close emergency contacts who will know, you know, if where they can go to start picking my bones out of the desert and all that. But 
look, it's not going to do you any good to email me or uh, over the next few days at least. Well, pretty much this whole week because I may or may not be able to even get your information, uh, your data, your message or whatever. And I, I am actually happy about that. You know, even though it's going to be kind of a working slash pleasure thing, um, being off the grid actually sounds like a great idea to me sometimes because I'm so pumped into the media all the time. And, you know, I went a few years ago to Nashville, Tennessee, and Lauren and I watched Tom Green do stand-up comedy. And he's actually hilarious. He's, he's really talented. And I remember in his routine, he said, well, I'm in my 40s now. He said, when I was a kid, you could leave your house. You could walk out the door. And nobody knew where the fuck you were. And it was wonderful. It was great. And now, it's like if somebody doesn't hear from you or you don't post something for a day or two, oh, tragedy has struck. I mean, think back. It's like there, there people didn't used to have telephones. You know, like 100 years ago, most people didn't have a telephone. They got by just fine. It wasn't that big of a deal. Now we're just on top of each other constantly. You know, every second. So I'm actually looking forward to being off the grid a little bit. So anyway, you'll know what's going on here. Don't worry about me if you don't hear much this uh, this week. And if you uh, contact me and I don't uh, respond and that pisses you off, well, you need to find some other hobbies or something. <laughs> All right, my friend. So, but I, I, I will tell you this. When I get back, I'm going to have a really interesting story for you. Uh, even if nothing happens, you'll, it'll be an interesting story. I promise you that. I like telling you about these things that I do. Okie doke. Well, that said, I believe it's time for me to wrap up and start getting uh, some packing done and get getting prepared here for my coming week. So that said, just remember, if you go to joshuapwarren.com, there's no period after the P. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, you can sign up for my free e-newsletter there. It takes you about two seconds. You'll get an instant digital good luck charm. You'll get the first breaking news as soon as it comes out on all matters. And um, it's, it, you'll see the little bank there where you put your email address in. Go to the Curiosity Shop. If you see something there that you like, you better buy it before it's sold out because I cannot guarantee you that anything that's at the joshuapwarren.com curiosity shop will ever be in stock again. I cannot guarantee you that. I promise you I cannot guarantee you that. Um, and be sure to click the link to this podcast. That's very important. This podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It is always short. Relatively speaking, this is a longer one, but you know, it could sometimes I, I do one that's five minutes. You just never know. But still, it's relatively short, and that's in part because there are no commercials. Uh, it's it's it, yeah. So it's free. It's commercial free. It's uncensored, 
and it is independent, independent, independent. That makes it the most important thing in the world. It's independent, true thinking on a level you're not going to find anywhere else. So while you're there, you can subscribe to this podcast through various different means and platforms or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will usually tweet when a new one is available. So that is it for today. Look forward to the next one. It will be an interesting one. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.